This is the Place for a Purpose podcast. We want to help you live out what Jesus said was the most important thing you could do with your life. Love God and love your neighbor, including your next door neighbors. So we're going to keep neighboring on your mind by encouraging you with practical ways to connect with those next door so you can live knowing you've been placed for a purpose because your address is not an accident and neither is your neighbor's. Welcome everyone to the podcast. Today we are continuing our series, Finding Your Place, with Josh Jackaway, who serves as the Director of Growth for Apartment Life, an organization focused on helping the church serve and engage local residents of apartment communities. He's been in ministry for almost 20 years and has done a variety of things, including planting churches in both Chicago and Kansas City. Josh and his family live in Kansas City, and he is a man after my own heart because he is a Chiefs fan and therefore a Taylor Swift fan. Yes, Josh is a Swifty. And depending on when this episode goes live, we'll see how well this ages, and hopefully we aren't releasing in the middle of a breakup and all is still well. So Josh, thank you so much for being with us today, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. And just to clarify, I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. My wife and I were very, very fortunate. We saw Taylor on the Ayers tour at oh! Arrowhead, which was really special. We were there on the same night that Travis was there. And so I like to say I helped you know, bring this <laughs> yes. together. We were also at the Chiefs game when they were playing the Bears. And yeah. Taylor made her first, first public appearance, appearance yeah. and she was seated behind some friends of ours who have season tickets. And so it was like, oh my gosh, there's Taylor Swift right here in Arrowhead. Again. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I remember that game. And I don't know if there's a correlation there, but that was the game that one of my daughters all of a sudden really got into football. So <laughs> no correlation, <laughs> no, no correlation at all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a pleasure to be here with y'all. Yes. We're excited. So before we get into what apartment life is. Give us some context about apartment living in general in the U.S. Like how many people live in apartments? Is that number growing? How long do people tend to stay there? Tell us a little bit about apartment living. Great question. So number one, just a point of reference, about 37% of the United States lives in some sort of rental community, whether that's multifamily or it's a house that they rent. So in any given area, there's probably about a third of the residents that are there that are renters. And the other thing that I personally find to be really interesting about that is on average, people live in a rental community for about two years. Now, obviously, over the last couple of years, the number of people who are living in rentals is actually going up. I mean, we recognize that as housing prices continue to increase, as the interest rates for buying a house continue to increase, it is causing more people who were previously perhaps going to be considering getting into purchasing a home to remain in the rental market longer. We also have seen just in general that there's a move inside of younger generations away from the traditional path towards home ownership. And so there's a lot of studies out there that can get into the why of that. Some of that has to do with millennials, especially are coming of age in the shadow, the great financial crisis. So they saw perhaps firsthand mom and dad in a pinch, or just saw in general, some of the calamity that happened back in 08, 09. And so it's kind of changed their mentality. There's also some thought that perhaps younger generations really like more of the turnkey approach with the rental, especially in, in a lot of the multifamily communities. You're getting a 
vacation style setup with the amenities, the pool, the hot tub, all of those different things that you don't have to worry about if the hot tub breaks, having someone come out and repair that and now being $1,200 light in your pocket, you just call a maintenance person, they come and take care of that. And so just the ease of function. So you do see that that number is trending up for a variety of different reasons, some economical and some that are perhaps generationally influenced. We also know just broadly speaking, that within the multifamily industry, that about 95%, I would actually say it's probably higher than this, but 95% of people who live in apartment communities are not connected to a local church. And that was from some research that was done prior to the pandemic. So I would venture a guess based on all the trends that we've seen over the last two years, three years, that that number is higher than 95% at this point. You're saying 95% of renters are not connected to a local church? Yeah, 95% of people who live in an apartment community are not connected to a local church. So again, that's from some research that was done back in, I believe it was 2016 or 2017. So I would say that that number is probably a little dated and it's probably higher than that. So is there an overall demographic? Because when I think of apartment living, I tend to think of young professionals. And then as we were talking over the last few days, I was thinking that's probably not accurate. What's the demographic of renters? Everyone's a renter these days. Yeah. And so you have a variety of people who are getting into the rental market. You've got some people who they are, to your point, young adults, they just graduated college. They've got their first job, maybe not even their career yet. It's just like a job. It's a placeholder for what's going to come next. And they're getting an apartment. But you also have a lot of people who are choosing to rent or maybe not even by choice. They just have to rent even into the family stage. So you see a lot of families that are living in apartment communities. You see a lot of people who are empty nesters. There's a significant demographic of people who are excited about the idea of downsizing their home. Perhaps they're empty nesters. Their children have moved out. And it's an opportunity for them to move into a community where they're surrounded by other people who are in their same age range, but they don't have to have all of the same upkeep required. So gone are the days of them getting up at 6 a.m. on a snowy day and having to shovel the snow before they can go anywhere. Somebody else is going to take care of that. On a hot summer day, you can hang out drinking iced tea and playing pickleball rather than being out cutting the grass, right? So there's a variety of different age groups that are jumping into the rental industry. And you start to see There are different modes of service that are starting to pop up now to kind of accommodate to that. So you see a lot of 55 and older rental communities that are coming online. That's a really popular product. We're also seeing something called build to rent, where someone could have what would traditionally look like a housing development, but they're all rentals. And so you would come in and you would basically be renting a house in a designed rental community that's made up of all houses. And so that's another popular product that we're seeing come online. And then you have a lot of people in more urban areas that just live in the rental communities because urban areas in general just tend to be more expensive. And so you've got people who might get into their 40s or 50s and have never owned a house and have no plans to ever own a house. They're going to be renters their entire life. Yeah. Wow. And honey, we cannot move into an apartment complex just because they have pickleball. Oh, if that's what you're thinking. Shoot, I was going that direction. <laughs> well, we're going to have to build one at our house. Then. <laughs> so that takes money. That's really interesting. Even just in the brief few minutes of you kind of painting this picture, if I think about like even Columbia, so I'm thinking, okay, so over a third of the residents most likely are renting and 95 or more percent of those people aren't connected to a local church. That's like a third of our city 
is not connected to a local church. Well, more. Or more, but just thinking of that demographic. Just that demographic. That's pretty crazy. And so enter apartment life, right? So the ministry you work for seems like there's an incredible opportunity there. Faith-based nonprofit. Yep. But it also has a business model to it. Yeah. So tell us about apartment life, what it is, how it got started, and kind of what the mission is. Yeah. So we've got this really incredible opportunity to come alongside in the multifamily world and provide a service that really meets tangible needs to those residents. And so our conventional model, the big thing that we focus around are welcome visits. So within the first 30 days that someone moves into an apartment community, connecting with them, loving them, serving them, supporting them in that first 30 days. And that's pivotal. I mean, anybody who moves into any new community, whether you bought a house, you moved in your neighborhood, or you're brand new in this apartment community, you know that you are the new person, so to speak speak on the block or in the community. And so our coordinators come in, connect with them, care for them right out of the gate. I know some of our coordinators go out of their way to even make that extra special. They'll make like homemade cookies or homemade banana bread, something like that, and drop them off, get to know them. And so making them within that first month feel cared for right out of the gate. They host events during the month that are really designed to create community, draw people together. So pool parties, having food trucks come out. Some of our coordinators just did as we kind of exit out of fall. Mm-hmm. Done Sounds a lot amazing. Different- <laughs> yeah. They do all sorts of different fun events that get residents together. So they did fall events. So we've had coordinators that do trunk or treats as a way to kind of engage in communities that have more children. They'll also do things where maybe they've got someone that they know who trains dogs and they'll have them come in and say, hey, this Saturday morning from 10 to noon, come you and your dog and we're going to have someone who's going to be an expert here that's going to be working with you. And, And so they'll host something like that that gets people together. Love that. We need some dog training. Kidani needs dog training. You know what? My dog is sitting right by my feet. She's nine years old and she could still use dog training, (laughs) let me tell you. So yeah, so they do events and activities like that. And then they do renewal visits. So when people have two months left on their lease, our coordinators are able to check in with them and hear about their experience living at that apartment community, what they've liked, what some obstacles might be for them resigning their lease and try to work to see what we can figure out to ensure that they stay there longer. And so our desire would be to increase that retention and to have people stay there longer because we realize that the longer that someone lives in in a community and the more connected they are to their neighbors, crime goes down, calls to police go down. Residents just start to feel cared for and a part of something. So they want to stay there. And the people who ideally serve and work at that apartment community, whether it's the property manager, the leasing agents, the maintenance team, that our coordinators are able to care and support for them as well. And it would make everyone who's a part of that broader community feel really just valued and cared for. And that's what we wish everyone would do. I'm like, I mean, that's amazing to think of someone bringing you banana bread or organizing some pet trainer. I was reading about some of the other ideas that people do. There's like yoga classes in the courtyard or food tastings. And this sounds amazing. I don't want to move, but I'm like, apartment living sounds really cool in that way. There are a lot of upsides. Yeah, especially in that environment where, I mean, I lived in an apartment for a little while and I, I mean, really didn't know anybody and never even had the thought to try to get to know anybody. So what are the people called that stay there and reach out? Yeah, so they're called coordinators. Coordinators. So they're working for apartment life, but also for the apartment complex too, right? 
Yeah. So how it works is we have an agreement with the apartment community. And then what we do is we recruit and onboard those coordinators. And so they're working directly with us and we're providing them support, coaching, encouragement, feedback, everything that they kind of need along the way, resources, everything from how to plan those events. We're training them on fair housing guidelines, all of these different details. And then we're also coming alongside the management company, the apartment owner, to ensure that we're providing the type of service that they're looking for. And so even before we place someone at that property, we're sitting down with the manager, hearing what their desires are, hearing more about the target things that matter to them. If they really care more about having excellent high-end events, or they might say, we would really just love to have more like care-oriented opportunities. So we kind of map all that out, and then we try to find the right type of person that's going to fit that apartment community. And they create an online presence too, right? Yeah. So they do some stuff online. So they'll post if an apartment has like a social media page, they'll leverage things like that for spreading the word about events or other activities. So there's a whole wraparound service that we're able to offer with that. And just thinking about you being in that apartment complex, what would something like this have felt like as opposed to being completely isolated where you didn't know anybody? Oh, yeah. Imagine... Something like apartment life. Oh, it would have been super intriguing. And I would for sure given it a shot and gone and I'm sure would have met some people and I would just move to Columbia. It was new. I didn't know anybody. So it seems like the coordinators, they're really trying to help build community. I mean, we're all lonely. You can feel lonely in a neighborhood, but in an apartment neighborhood, you're surrounded by people. And yet there's just even more walls and more disconnection. And it's called sticky community. Yeah, we yeah, read yeah. that term on your website. What is sticky oh, yeah. community? That's exactly it, is that as you feel more connected to people around you, you naturally want to stay there, right? And it creates one of the things that a lot of people are drawn to a community around might be the amenities. But one of the things that we believe will really cause them to stick is friendships, right? Relationships. And that's the thing that ultimately causes anybody to stick in any kind of environment, right? And so we want to cultivate that relationship. And speaking of loneliness, this is something that we have seen, again, coming out of the pandemic has been on a pretty significant up and to the right rise, unfortunately. And so we're continuing to see loneliness as being one of the greatest challenges that people are facing here in the United States. And that's even more common working in the multifamily industry, where you have people who literally are sharing perhaps walls on both sides with people that they've never met, never talked to, people who they might occasionally see pulling in and out of the parking spot in front of their home, but have no other type of connection to. So we want to help build a bridge in that kind of a way. And I think you can almost feel lonelier when you're surrounded by people in that kind of proximity. It's like you think about walking into a crowded room and not knowing anyone. You can feel lonelier. I wonder if in apartment living, that sense of, I have so many people around me, I shouldn't feel lonely, and yet I don't know any of these people. Yeah, that's very true. And you think about for so many people during the pandemic, this became especially heightened, right? That where you would leave your apartment perhaps and find community in your job, right? Or in a group that you were involved in some sort of hobby or after work activity or some other sticky thing that drew you together with people beyond your living situation that now all of a sudden you find yourself in your apartment working and no longer going to and from your job. You're in your apartment realizing I'm disconnected from 
all of the three-dimensional people that I was previously associated with being my closest relationships. And so, yeah, I can't even heighten perhaps at times some of the loneliness that people feel. I'm curious. So where does the faith element come in with the coordinators and kind of what they're doing? Are they allowed to host a Bible study or are they just kind of connecting with people relationally? And if it comes up, hey, we go to this church if you're interested, like what's that like? Yeah. So number one, a really pivotal thing for us is making sure that we abide by all fair housing guidelines. And so we train all of our coordinators in that to make sure that they understand how their faith can intersect with the role that they're in. So one of the things for us is really trying to find people, first and foremost, who have a heart, not just for just following Jesus, but in terms of also loving others in the way of Jesus. And over and over again, we see that he goes out of his way to look for people who are hurting, looking for people who are in need of a friend, a relationship, someone to reach out and touch them in the midst of a season in which perhaps they haven't been touched for decades, right? And so we're trying to constantly coach our coordinators and lead them towards what does it look like for you practically to live in a way that it's the most aligned with Jesus' command to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? And so don't just kind of check the boxes of doing those welcome events, hosting a couple events per month, but what can you do to go above and beyond to look for and find out the stories of people who are living in your community who need extra care, support, hope, and so our coordinators do an amazing job of of living into that. So sometimes that can look like finding out that the person who's living in your apartment community is navigating through a challenging health diagnosis. Our coordinators will walk with people as they're navigating through separation in a marriage or custody challenges. Our coordinators have walked through people who are just in a season of transition. Perhaps they lost their job or things are just especially tight for them. And so one of the best things that we can do from a faith standpoint is put ourselves in a position to love and care for people really well. And then over time, perhaps there's an opportunity for you just to naturally share the why behind who you are. And so again, what we're not going to do is do anything that is abrasive or aggressive. What we want to do is love people really well and over time get the opportunity to share, this is who I am and this is what my values are, not in a way that feels like that there's some sort of quid pro bait quo. Bait and switch or something. Yeah. No bait and switch. None, yeah. of, none of that. It's really, I'm going to authentically love and serve you. And I hope that over time that I get the opportunity for you to get to know all of who I am and my beliefs, my values, my faith. Yeah. That's the same in our neighborhood and other neighborhoods as well. You're serving people, you're loving people, you're not throwing the block party so you can get in the church invite, right? You care about people, you care about their experience of the community. Like that's a valuable thing to care about, the common good. And inevitably, like I'm sure your coordinators have experienced, we've experienced, other people have experienced in neighborhoods, over time you build those relationships of trust and mutual respect. And God opens these doors to talk about the bigger things in life, to have those weightier conversations. And so it's really cool to think and inspiring to think about that happening in apartment complexes. And it sounds like this whole vision is personal to you. You mentioned that your life has been transformed in some kind of way. I can't remember the word you used before we began, but... Well, it's kind of funny. So my first experience with these two worlds of faith and apartment living coming together happened in my early 20s. Me and my roommate, his name was Bill. Bill and I lived in an apartment community that was literally across the street from the church that we worked at. I was serving as a student pastor. He was a young adult pastor. And we could walk from our apartment to church every single day. 
And one of the things that we realized pretty early on was that even though it was one of these little small suburban streets, it's so kind of narrow that you couldn't park two cars on either side and comfortably have cars driving around, right? So it's a very small roadway that separated the apartment that we lived in and the church where we served at. Oftentimes, both groups were unaware that the other one existed. And so we would be talking to people that we were living alongside and they'd go, oh, what are you doing? And inevitably, it would come up that we worked at a church and they would go, oh, what church? We'd go, oh, you know, the church across the street. And they're like, there's a church across the street? Like, <laughs> Where is that one at? And we'd be like, oh, it's the big yellow box looking thing that's <laughs> yeah. kind of across the street. And they'd go, oh, man, I never even realized that that was a church. And at the same time, I would be talking to people inside of our church building, perhaps after a Sunday service. And they would go, oh, where do you live? And I'd say, oh, I, I live right here in Naperville. And they go, we're in Naperville. I'm like, right there in the apartments across the street. And they would go, there's apartments across the street? I'm like, yeah, you can like, if you look out the glass windows, you can see the apartment that I live in. And so I realized in my early 20s that there was this probably 15-foot chasm that separated these two communities, but there was no real overlap. And so Bill and I just started intentionally living in a loving kind of and caring kind of way inside of our apartment community. We got to know different neighbors that lived there. Over time, we realized, as you were talking about earlier, there were a lot of young adults that lived in that community. And so we started a small group and we would gather on Monday nights in an apartment and spend some time just talking about our faith, our life, our week, the challenges, the ups and downs that you have in your early 20s as you're navigating through living on your own, being apart from your family, figuring out what it means to be an adult and the parts that your parents didn't tell you about and your college never equipped you for. And so there was some very meaningful connection. We saw people come to faith through that. We saw our small group multiply within that apartment communities. We saw more people lean in and get traction. And then we would figure out ways that we could uniquely leverage our church community to build a bridge. And so one of the things at the time, this was in the early 2000s, the Bears were really booming at that point. They had a great defense, Brian Erlacher. And so we would say, hey, we're going to host some watch parties for the Bears. And we would do that kind of over at the church. And we would bring in some food and people would get together and we'd eat some food and watch the Bears in our church building. They would go, this is where you work, huh? Like I never would have picked you guys for for being like priests or pastors or whatever you guys call yourself. So that started in my early 20s. And it just has shaped ever since then how I live in any community, whether it's in an apartment dwelling or it's in the house that we live in, of saying, what does it look like to live in such a way that you love every single person who lives in close proximity to you? And what do you do to kind of create opportunities for people to lean in? So yeah, this has been kind of a journey I've been on for about 20 years now. That's great. It's amazing. I love hearing that. By the way, I'm from a Chicago suburb as well, St. Charles, so dub bears, doubles. <laughs> oh, man, my aunt and uncle live over there in St. Charles. Oh, so. awesome. Oh, yeah, my wife and I love anytime we get a chance to go back to Chicago, going over to St. Charles, Geneva, mm-hmm. you know, right there along the river. It's beautiful, yep. the Fox River. Yeah. Yep. So as we were thinking about some of the challenges, and we want to get to the opportunities as well, but like thinking about the challenges to neighboring in an apartment context, 
I think some of those challenges exist in a suburban context or in other neighboring contexts as well. But let's pretend like you're speaking to any of our listeners who do live in an apartment context. Like, what would you say to the person who's like, hey, I'm only renting here for a couple years. This is a very transient community. Why should I take the time? Let's say apartment life isn't in my apartment, but I want to try to reach out. I want to get to know some of my neighbors, but I'm not going to be here very long. Like, what would you say to that person as to why taking a step towards your neighbor would be worth it? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, no matter how temporary you think a season is, you can't overlook the potential for eternal significance. I think back to my senior year of high school, I was halfway through the second semester about to graduate, kind of had a plan mapped out with a bunch of my friends about what we were going to do and where we're going to live, we're going to go to college, all of that. And my life intersected with a youth pastor there in the community who took a special interest in me. And honestly, at any point, there was probably a dozen other people who would have been a better use of his time, especially through the lens that I was about to graduate high school. But Sean took a special interest, came alongside of me. We'd get together for pickup basketball games outside the church. And he would invite me, hey, you should come to church. I'm like, ah, you know what? We'll see about that. Let's just play basketball for now. But he took a specific interest in me in this right on the cusp of transition season. And it changed the trajectory of my entire life. It was through him that I really discovered a relationship with Jesus and put me on a completely different path. So I think at any given point, you don't know who's right around the corner from you. And it'd be easy to write anybody off and say, well, I'm only going to be here for another six months, or I'm only going to be living here for a year. But I would say that God sees a deeper potential in any different opportunity. And you think through how many of the different stories where Jesus' life intersected with somebody, and it was truly only momentary. You think about whether it's the boy who he had one encounter with, he took his loaves and fish and multiplied it. That boy's life was never the same. The woman with the bleeding disorder who just literally touched him in a crowd, more than likely never crossed paths again, but it changed her life forever. I think about the story of the man who was filled with all the different demons and went by the nickname Legion, and Jesus shows up in this guy's life, would have had every possible reason to avoid this scenario. Instead, this person's life is flipped on his head, and Jesus says, hey, you stay here. You go back to your community. They know your name. They know your story. You stay here and sent him. And so I think that as we see that pathway in Jesus' life, all of us have an opportunity in any temporary or transitional season to still be effective for eternity. And that's truly beautiful and inspiring. I was getting chills hearing you share that. I'm going to put you on the spot again. He's like, okay, what would you say to the person who's only going to be there for a few months? So what are you going to say to the person who maybe a single woman, I'll say, like before we got married and looking back to that season, who maybe doesn't feel like she has the bandwidth or the time or maybe feels kind of vulnerable, like she's living on her own and it doesn't always feel safe to reach out. What would you say to her? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, the whole idea is when Jesus says in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples, thinking through that lens, he says, not go in the way that we think of it, but more so in the as you are going. And I think that as you are going is where we're supposed to have influence and impact. And so we're all going different places. For some of us, we're going to and from our jobs. We're going to and from our cubicles. We're going to and from the front door of our house. We're going to and from our children's elementary school. And so where are you going to and from on a regular basis that you can have influence 
an impact. And that can be in a variety of different spaces. That can be where you live. It can also be where you work. It can be the place where you play, you hang out, it's where you learn. Perhaps it's the college where you're taking classes. So everyone has a place that they're going regularly. And so how do you expand the kingdom into those places? And that can be the coffee shop you visit every Monday morning as you're trying to shake off the weekend and get ready to go back into the workplace. And you see the same barista there week in, week out. It could be the place that you live, like we were just talking about, the neighbors who you see checking the mail beside you. But it can also be in a variety of different places. I would also say one of the ways that God grows us the most is when we're willing to take the bold and risky steps. And so not that I would ever tell someone to put themselves in a dangerous position by any means, but in those moments when we feel fear, when we feel uncertain, those are those moments when we find ourselves most dependent upon God. And we need him to show up for him to build a bridge because we can't do it with our own personality or charisma or talents or gifting or whatever that is. And so I've seen in this role for apartment life, some coordinators who God have just put this unique blessing on that you would look at them and they would seem at first perhaps a little bit shy or maybe even a little mousy. And then as they take that step forward, it's like you can just see God's spirit kind of expand them into this role. And that's one of the things that I get most excited about is getting to help give people a tangible way that they can just start to live into some of this calling of following Jesus. And so I do think anyone can do this in any different environment, and it will be different for each person. For some, it will be where they live, others where they work, others where they play, others where they learn. I think, too, God provides community for us to take these steps. Like for you, he provided, was it Bill? Your friend? Yeah, my roommate Bill. Yeah, yeah, your roommate Bill. And I think about us in our neighboring context, we haven't done it alone. God's provided people. Sometimes we've had to pray for him to provide kind of those like partners in crime, so to speak. And other times people have just come out of the woodwork. And sometimes we share the same perspectives. And sometimes there are people who have different perspectives that we're learning from. But I think not doing it alone and that God can provide other people I don't know if that's something that you've seen in apartment life. One of the things that we find to be a real value is we look for ideally two coordinators to serve a community. And so that can be roommates, it can be a young married couple, it can be a family with children, it can be empty nesters. But there's something really powerful about having two people co-laboring beside each other. Because the reality is not just the timing that it takes to plan an event, that that can eat up a lot of bandwidth, but just sometimes having somebody else that afterwards you can kind of debrief and process with, hey, how did you think that went? Or when you're having kind of a discouraging day for someone else to cheer you up or just be there as a safe space for you to verbally process through. And I think that's part of why you see Jesus so intentionally sending out his disciples in pairs of two, because he knew that there was something special that happens when you've got somebody else that's kind of in the dust and the dirt of life and ministry alongside you. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's living in an apartment and would love to try to start reaching out and they don't have an apartment life coordinator other than get an apartment life coordinator in your apartment? And maybe there's a couple people who live in the same building. They want to start reaching out in that apartment space. What advice or steps or what kind of pathway could there be to beginning to form community there? What would you say? Yeah, I would say first, just put yourself in a place that other people are. And so where do people naturally hang out? Obviously, we're heading into the winter months, and so this will shift. But in springtime, my guess is that the pool is going to be packed with people. 
What does it look like for you to go to the pool with purpose and for you to go there, not just put your headphones on, read your book, but to go with eyes open to look for who might be looking for a friend, looking for a connection. When you go to the gym, if your apartment community has a gym area where you work out, don't go with your headphones on. Don't go with like a, hey, I need to be in and out in 30 minutes. Go with kind of an open posture to, hey, if there's other people in there working out, stop, talk, have conversation, be accessible. I think one of the greatest challenges in our life is we just are too busy. In fact, I would say that for most people, if they cut out the activities they're doing by half, they'd still have too much on their plate. And so what does it look like for you to do less so that you can actually do more. And so figuring out if you want to be effective, what are the things that you need to say no to so that you can be more present with purpose? Are there spiritual resources that are available to people that Apartment Life provides? I would say that there's a lot of different great resources out there that if somebody wanted to chase this down to start living more in, the first one that I'd recommend would be The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak. That's a great book. I tell people all the time to check that out. Hugh Halter wrote a book called Happy Hour. That's another great resource. Talks about the whimsy of Jesus and the nature of how a party can be really powerful. And so those would be resources I would tell anyone, hey, check out those. They're not resources that we've created ourselves, but those are great first steps for people to start leaning into. And then more than anything, I think that one of the great things that happens is as you start to do this, Jesus equips you further along the way. And so I think that sometimes we can almost have this analysis paralysis. And so we can feel like, oh, I need to know a whole lot of stuff about this before I do anything. And I always say, just start by doing something. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor bearer. And you get the story of the whole nation of Israel's army. They're sitting out here. They know they're supposed to be fighting against the Philistines, this invading army. And they're just stuck there around this one guy who has this ephod, this like holy garment. And they're just sitting around waiting for him to tell them what to do. And in the midst of all of this, Saul's son, Jonathan, who might've been maybe the only person who was truly listening to God in the moment, he just looks up and he says to his armor bearer, perhaps, perhaps if we go and fight, God will act on our behalf. And his armor bearer follows them along again, two by two, and they go. And what you see is that God just kind of opens the door for them to be victorious. And it inspires the whole nation of Israel to kind of follow along with them. So I always think of that story that it wasn't the person with the holy garment and the ephod sitting around underneath the palm tree it was the person who was just willing to take a step and say, perhaps God will act on my behalf. And so I always tell people, what does it look like for you just to take that step? Perhaps God is waiting for you to take the step for him to kind of start showing you the next step you're supposed to take from there. What have been some of the most valuable lessons or principles that you've pulled or taken away that our listeners could apply, even if they don't live in an apartment? Yeah, I would say first and foremost that there's nothing more meaningful than when you care for someone who's in a point of pain. And so I've seen this over and over again with our coordinators, that when someone is in some sort of moment of crisis, and it can be literally as small as they're getting ready to leave for work and their car battery was dead, stopping and meeting that moment builds such an incredible bridge of relationship. And the reality is, is those moments are probably happening all around us. People who have flat tires, they've got a dead car battery. They just need a ride to work. They don't even know who to ask 
for a ride to work. And so they're going to call Lyft or Uber. And when you put yourself in those moments just to show up and serve in those very, it doesn't have to be the really big, significant kind of things. It can be those small things done intentionally that creates incredible open doors. And over and over again, what I've seen is those are the ways that God uses our coordinators to tangibly bring the good news of Jesus to life in those moments, to bring hope in those moments to people who are, if they're not in a point of desperation, they're at least in a moment of discouragement or despair. And so meeting them in those types of moments can be so profound and so tangibly an expression of the grace and goodness of Christ in those moments. And we know how much that means because we experience those moments. So it means so much to have someone meet you at a pain point like that. Yeah. So as we wrap up, I didn't know if there were any stories of what you've seen God do in these apartments throughout the country that might inspire us. Like when I hear stories of people neighboring, people reaching out, God working, community being built, it's inspiring. It motivates me to want to do that in my context. So I didn't know if there was a story that might come to mind that you could share with us to encourage us with. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we saw wasn't that long ago that we had some of our coordinators up in Omaha. He works on staff at his church. And like many churches do, they have kind of a VBS experience they run during the summertime. And they'd gotten to know some of the different office staff at their apartment community. And they noticed with it being summertime that the mom who worked there in the office, her children were just around a lot more because they were out of school. And she was trying to figure out what to do with them while they were out of school. And so the coordinators there said, hey, would you want to come next week to this week of vacation Bible school that our church is doing? You can basically just send your kids yeah. with us. Free child It's going to give you a, a week free. <laughs> child care is a pain point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's going to be a really great space for them to form other friends. They're going to have some fun and have some meaningful experiences and great discussion. And so over the course of that week, one of the children got to the end of that experience. And I think that she was in late elementary or early middle school, came to this point where she decided that she wanted to put her hope and faith in Jesus. And so the coordinators got the opportunity to say, hey, this Sunday, we're going to have an opportunity for people to get baptized. And so if you want to come this Sunday, invite your family. And so this little girl, she invited her family to come to see her get baptized. And at the end of that experience, she came out of the water. Her mom had the string inside of her and said, you know, I want to take a similar step of faith. And so we got to see how this one act of care and serving and support impacted not just this child's life, but ended up having an impact on the entire family. And so those are those things that again and again, and that's One story out of so many of our coordinators who put themselves in a position to love really well, to get to know people beyond just the surface, and then figure out what can I do to serve someone really well, and then trusting what might God do on the other side of that. I love that you're meeting practical needs, like when you're talking about the loneliness. You're meeting the need that we all have for community in this very niche way, and you're adding value to these apartments and to these apartment complexes. And yet you're also having that big picture in mind and available for God to work. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's an honor to get to be a small part of the big mosaic of what God's doing, not just even through apartment life, but across the United States, as we see people unleashed to live intentionally, purposefully in a loving and compelling kind of way that cause people to lean in and ask more questions about our why. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you, Josh, for 
being with us. Thanks for doing what you do and for all the people that work for Apartment Life. I mean, I know for me, it's put apartments even just back on my radar. So even just driving by an apartment, I want to be praying that, you know what, God, I don't know what's happening spiritually in this in this apartment building, but I pray that you would do something. And maybe for our listeners, there might be some people who live in apartments or know people who live in apartments, and maybe this will spur something, a thought, or maybe reaching out to Apartment Life or maybe just trying something in their apartments because they know this is happening in other apartments. It can happen. God can work in these environments that are transient, that are super diverse, and that are maybe a little more challenging to build community. So thank you so much for being on with us. And yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode, or let us know other topics related to neighboring you want to talk about. Or follow the link in the show notes to share a neighboring story with us. Tell us what you're trusting God for in your neighborhood and how you're seeing God at work. You can also follow Placed for a Purpose on Instagram, and you can help others find us by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this episode with a friend. Music